Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson. Welcome to the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. We have a great show for you today as you're going to get to meet Ron and Joan Denlinger. And Ron and Joan have been married for 38 years and shortly after discovering that their first child, Carrie, was severely disabled, they were determined that they didn't want to simply cope with the challenges that were to come, but they wanted to be overcomers and to find joy despite the circumstances. Then their second child, Ryan, was born with the same rare genetic condition, and he passed away when he was five years old. Their story is so inspiring, and something that Ron shared towards the end of the conversation reminded me of something that you can find on the Rising Above app. Now, if you haven't downloaded the app yet, I really hope that you will do so because you will find so many encouraging resources there for you and your family. And one of those resources is called Respite for Your Mind. And Respite for Your Mind is comprised of short audio clips that are full of hope to encourage you as you raise your child with special needs. And we have a respite that's called Accept What Is that talks so beautifully about how we can find peace when we accept the things that we cannot change. And it goes right along with some of the things that they share in this episode with us today. So here's the conversation that I had with Ron and Joan Denlinger. Hey, Ron and Joan, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. I am so excited to get to have this conversation with you because I uh, did a little research on you guys and I have to say you have quite the story to share. So thank you so (laughs) much for your willingness to be here today. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, you guys have been married for 38 years. And like I said, I I went to your website. I did some research. I honestly don't even know where to start because there's so much (laughs) to your story. And as I was looking at what I wanted to talk to you about, I really, I struggled because there's just, there's so many facets to your story. But could you just walk us through a little bit about what your journey has been like in your 38 years of marriage. Congratulations, by the way, on that. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, hey, we were married in paradise. Well, paradise, Pennsylvania. Ah, So that's a great, great start, right? So, So in the wedding meditation, the pastor said, life is like a roller coaster and you need a good seat partner. So, and there have been lots of, ups and downs and lots of challenges and things like that. But our plan at the time uh, was, you know, of course, in addition to living happily ever after, Mm -hmm. was to be involved in pastoral ministry and missions. And just before we um, launched out into that, well, that's when our firstborn, Carrie, was born. Carrie came along 36 years ago. She was born perfectly pink and beautiful. But within three months, I knew something was just not right. She was growing, but she was not developing. She struggled to nurse. I would nurse her all day. She never looked at us. She cried constantly. And um, then I started to notice seizure activity on her. And that's when I finally got the doctor's attention. And she was admitted to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, which is about an hour and a half from our home at that time. And um They uh, did an EEG on her and she had the 
a very difficult form of epilepsy, which they at that time said she must have some kind of grave disease and would mm. not live to be a year old. Wow. We, so we took this perfectly beautiful little baby girl to the hospital and they instantly gave us a horrible diagnosis that we had never dreamed of. Um, and they said she may live to be 10 if we're lucky, but she would never walk or talk or understand. Um, and they knew because when they see this severe form of epilepsy, something is behind it, but they tested her for everything that they knew to test 36 years ago. And uh, all the genetics, Ron and I went through genetics and nothing showed. Now I just put a little thing in here 35 years later, we finally got a diagnosis, oh which goodness. is a whole miracle story, but we won't go there. But that is where we began this journey with Carrie, our mm -hmm. oldest. And we actually did launch out and go into ministry. And it was during our first church planning experience when our second child, Ryan, uh, was born and turned out he had the same genetic disease as what Carrie had. And we were just overwhelmed with the care of both of them. And we're like, how can we continue to do this? And mm -hmm. what happened to our ministry dreams? And But after about uh, an interlude for ministry for about a year and a half, God provided so that we could go back into ministry. And that was a whole other story. And our second church plant was just, it was, it was a great ministry, but it was the hardest thing was it was while we were there that Ryan died and he was uh, five years old. And that was really tough for us and also for the church. It would really come to love him. You know, I read that part um, in your book, in one of your books yesterday. I was reading the, the that section in your book, and it was heart-wrenching. I felt like I was in the room, you know, with you when when all that was going on. And, and you know, I've lost my husband, so mm. I know mm -hmm. what that's mm. like being in the room when the person you love so dearly is mm. passing from this life to the next. Nice. And, um, but out of that, out of your journey, out of out of the life of, your two children, you all have founded a ministry um, called Joy in a Foreign Land. So tell us about Joy in a Foreign Land and it's like the name, where did that come from? Kind of the backstory about all that. Yeah, so although we didn't know what the genetic disease was, we assumed it was genetic because oh, we had two children, profoundly disabled children. Um but in the middle of that, Ryan was five years old, Carrie was seven. We took a huge step of faith and conceived another child. Wow. And um, so I, I need to just tell you about him because um, Jeremy was born a th three months before Ryan died. Mm. And Jeremy is a strong, healthy, godly son that we are so grateful that we listened to God on that. Both Ron and I were convinced that we were to have more children. But after Ryan's death and um, a few years uh, into it, after Jeremy was a few years old, I, I decided to write a book because people kept asking Ron and I, how in the world do you do it? It was extremely difficult first 10 years of our marriage. Um, I spent more time in the hospital than anywhere. And um, so people kept saying, how do you do it? How do you do it? And I, my short answer was, it's Jesus. It's mm -hmm. the only thing that is holding Ron and I together is Jesus. But I really started having a great desire because I spent so much time in children's hospitals and 
Ronald McDonald houses and met with a lot of other families. Um, yeah, their other families weren't doing it. They, they were crumbling under pressure. And I wanted people to see Jesus fleshed out and in our life. So I, I back when I went to nursing school many moons ago, I had heard a story of what it's like for parents who are first experiencing uh, a, a disabled child, a special needs children, child. And it's like they were preparing for a trip to go to Paris and all ready for all that culture and all that that means. And then they find that their flight lands in Holland instead mm -hmm. of Paris. And so that is exactly what it was for Ron and I, because so that's the foreign land. That's the foreign land that I'm talking about being put in a world that was not on our radar screen whatsoever. Um, but it obviously was in God's playbook for our lives. And so we had to adjust and figure out. And then the joy part, joy in a foreign land is, ah, we were so determined not to just cope with our situation, but to be overcomers mm -hmm. because we knew that this was God's plan. Yeah. It's not ours. And we knew that we wanted to overcome it. And, but that's a rough road to overcome. Mm. And so what do you do in your ministry? What, what does that look like? Is that your books and other things? Kind of what, what do you do um, with joy in a foreign land? Yeah, it's the sharing of our story. And sometimes that's taken the place of uh, speaking engagements, things like that. You know, a lot of personal ministry coming alongside those mm -hmm. kind of things. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you two have faced some pretty unimaginable loss and pain um, with with the loss of your son through, through all your years together. Um, but I can tell, because I'm looking at you across the screen, and I can see that you have found, found a way to have joy through this. And, you know, I think for so many families, you, you kind of get to this crossroads when these tragedies and things happen, whether you're going to allow it to pull you further apart from each other, further apart from God, or yeah. whether you're going to allow it to bring you closer together and closer to God. You obviously have chosen the latter. So how has that looked for you? Well, I mean, we, we believe marriage is for better, for worse, richer, poor, right, sickness, health. And we experience yeah. probably all those yeah. to some degrees, you know, tested our marriage. And, and we realized, especially with disability and then of course, with the loss of the child, those things, I mean, it really becomes, it's either going to be a make it or break it. Mm -hmm. And we just determined that we really want to stay close to each other. Mm -hmm. Hasn't always worked out easily and all that. Um, but, and as far as, you know, staying close to God, I just, I think of Peter, the apostle, when others were very disappointed with Jesus and were walking away. And basically my words, he said, what other choice do mm. we have yeah. besides you offer, you offer life. Mm -hmm. And there was a period and I was very discouraged. It was a hard time for me and probably just as hard for Joan. And I was hurting and depressed realizing I was becoming angry at God. And, mm. and one day I realized wow, this darkness is, it's terrifying mm -hmm. and, and really uh, turning my back on God was not an option. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I would just say that, yeah, it's been a very rough road on our marriage for sure, because we're torn in two totally different directions constantly. When I was in the hospital so much with my children and Ron was trying to continue his ministry and we're just on our own track and trying to stay together was uh, it's, it's been difficult, but I think I keep going back to the foundation of the Bible um, and pre-marriage counseling, our uh, counselor made Ron and I memorize Philippians 2, 4, which says, let each of you look not at your own interests, but also the interests mm-hmm. of others. Having the mind of Christ, <laughs> uh, which his mind is sacrificial love. And I'm, I'm far from having the mind of Christ, but I'm trying to work at it. But I have to constantly through those years just to remember, okay, I want Ron to totally focus on my kids because I'm just being torn apart here with their care. And, um, and yet somebody has to earn some money in this right, family, right? <laughs> you know? And so I had to keep looking at his interests and what does he need out of me? Mm-hmm. And he did the same with me. Yeah. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And it's obviously served you well as you are, you know, 38 years into your marriage. And, you know, I know part of that, I I did some, like I said, did some research and I listened to some things on your website and you mentioned that you have a mission statement. (laughs) And I would love for you to share that mission statement because I suspect that plays into why you've had such a long life together um, so tell us about that. And then how has having that mission statement and, you know, set in front of you kept you going and going and going? Okay. At this point, I have to say that my husband is the rock of this marriage. Uh-huh. One day he came home and said, Joan, you know, all churches have mission statements. We as a family should have a mission mission statement. And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Ron, let's, <laughs> let's do it. Well, he actually had come up with it. And um, so I just, I, I just thought that was so funny, but oh my goodness, it is the rock that has kept us together. And mm-hmm. in fact, we have this very large calligraphy print of it in our dining room so that every day we look at it and read mm-hmm. it and go ahead, Ron, I'll let you actually share it. Yeah. And it, <laughs> and it really came about not, oh, this is, I think what we should do. I think a lot of it was, this is what God is already doing and focusing mm. on that, what he's doing in our lives. Yeah. So here it is. We uphold the sanctity of human life through our sacrificial love for one another and our service to others. And then we attach the uh, Acts 20, 35 to it, which says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the mm. words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that phrase, hard work, often jumps out of me. I got to look at that and remember, <laughs> no, this is this is what it's about. We, we do give out a lot, but by faith, remember, this is good for us and we benefit more in the long run. Oh, so it keeps us anchored, that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it it is also helps us to make decisions like when we're asked to do something. Well, let's think about it. Well, this is this part of our mission statement Mm, as a family. Can we do this? And we try to make it as a family, too, with kids, Mm. our kids joining us as well. I love that because we do that as a ministry. You know, we have a mission statement here at Rising Above. And and we just say, you know, if it doesn't flow through that Mm -hmm. mission statement, we we don't do it. It could be a great idea 
But if, right. if it doesn't flow through that, we're not going to do it. And what a beautiful, great idea for your family, because then you stay focused yes. on what God has called your family to do, which is going to be different than what God has called my family to do. Yes, right. every family yep. is different. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That is so beautiful. Well, you know, your story then took another little twist <laughs> years later uh, where you began to be foster parents. So I would love for you to share part of that journey. Yeah, so we told you about, I like to call them our three homemade kids. We still have another child that we haven't talked about yet. Um, but through the years, I did a lot of respite care for adoptive families that had medically needy children. I just had a really heart for their families, seeing what they were going through. And we were so involved in ministry and our own kids that I just, we couldn't take on our own foster children. But then we finally settled down here in the area where we live right now in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 11 years ago. And I decided that I really wanted to look into this fostering of medically needy children because I felt like that's the specialty that God had prepared us for all these years. I had gone into nursing. I did nursing. And then we had our own children that taught us much about medically needy kids. And I had no idea how much of a need that was until mm. um, we started uh, signing up for this. And we got instantly got children coming our way. And Ron and I could not say no. Mm. It was it was beautiful. It was <laughs> crazy. We call it our um, years of of just total chaos. We never slept. Um, it was just oh, the, those the, are the golden the years. golden years. We call it. Yeah. <laughs> the golden <laughs> years. Yeah, <laughs> the golden years. It was the but, best. Um, so even after we got our first child, we had worked only fostering. We had no intention of adopting, but as soon as we got our first child in our home, we're like, oh my word, there's no way that we can ever let go of this child. If Mm. they need a forever home, we're taking them and we'll just trust God in this. So, uh, Matthew, what we had seven long-term foster needy children, And Matthew was one of those. And he was the one that uh, needed the forever forever home. And I'll let you tell about Matthew. Oh, Matthew (laughs) is, uh, he's a great kid. Uh, We adopted him on his third birthday then. And uh, he has a lot of special needs. He was a near fatality. And uh, would never walk, talk, sit without support. Traumatic and that kind brain of thing. injury. Traumatic brain injury. And it turns out uh, he runs, jumps, dances, sings. And I always say the, doc- the, progress. the doctors told us he had never walk or talk. And we say he never sits down and shuts up. Uh, <laughs> he's a busy, busy boy. <laughs> and how old is he now? He just turned double digits. Oh, he's very ten. excited about that. That's what he yes. says. I'm double That's digits. <laughs> That's amazing. So, like, what does your life look like now? What is <laughs> what is your home life now? Uh, and and how do you manage? I know there's chaos because there's chaos in my home, and it's just my son and myself from time to time. Yes. So, you know, I know there's chaos just with the two of us. So, what what does your day to day look like, and uh, how do you manage the chaos? Yeah, and to add to the chaos, uh, um, just before we adopted Matthew, we also brought 
Jones' parents into our home. We added onto our home. So we're also kind of, so we have this geriatric wing in addition to the pediatric wing. And then there's the psychiatric Uh, part of that. That's us. That's for you. But it is, we appreciate the word chaos because, yeah, I mean, it starts at five in the morning, Mm -hmm. every morning. Matthew's up every day, no breaks, no holidays. Uh, but a lot of it's we we follow a, a pattern. We're kind of like a machine, and I think Joan has really helped shape that for mm-hmm. from her nursing days, because there's meds, there's feedings, there's therapy, there's medical appointments, there's uh, all those kind of things, and so there's lots of of, of planning ahead. Uh, just to go out somewhere to church, come back from social, whatever. And before we pull in the driveway, I can count on Joan saying, she, who's the manager? And she'll say thing, something like, uh, okay, I'll get Matthew ready for bed. You do the carry transfer. Mm-hmm. I'll grab the meds. You make the coffee. And it's that <laughs> kind of thing. So there's a lot of dividing and mm-hmm. conquering. That's mm-hmm. how we kind of uh, do that to keep things manageable. And yeah. sometimes that's in a, yeah, go ahead. Well, I just, I hope you didn't miss the coffee part in there because that is part of my routine that I must have yeah. to keep this machine keep going. going. Yes. I, I never drank coffee before Matthew, but I, you know, I have to have it at five because he's going to be up shortly after and I need to be awake for him. Yes. But probably our biggest divide and conquer thing just happened last year. Um, Matthew was at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, scheduled to be there for four to six weeks for brain surgery and recuperation. So during COVID, during COVID mm-hmm. and we're saying, okay, Joan, the nurse, she has to be there. She has to be in that hospital. Right. So yeah. she's going to be there. And she was for all that time. I'm at home taking care of the rest. Carrie had just started a new treatment for seizures, which oh, thankfully it worked very well. Joan's mom, uh, we had hospice nurses coming in and out because she was at the point we weren't even sure she would live until Joan and Matthew got out of rehab. And so, um, and she did. She hung on there. She wanted to see Matthew home again. So, but that's just, yeah, I mean, it's, we have a pattern routine, but sometimes it's also we just step back. Okay, in this crisis, okay, how are we going to do this? Mm-hmm. And we there's a lot of the, triage that goes on yeah. in our home. Okay, this chaos is out of control. Okay, what is the most important thing? And we have to just do it. But I must say, you know, we, yeah, we do a lot, but we couldn't do without the greater community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and how have people come alongside? Because I think a lot of people don't know how to help our families. You know, when you have medically complex situations, when you have maybe behavior situations in families, you know, the community, our friends and family may want to help, Mm -hmm. but they may just not know how to help. So how Mm -hmm. have people come alongside and helped you? So I think this is an amazing community that we live in right now. We happen to be part of a very strong one. And Ron, I like to think that we can handle all our things that we have around here, but we can't. And so I've had to ask for help. In fact, Mm -hmm. just the other night, Ron was at work and uh, Carrie's lift broke right in the middle of taking her out of her wheelchair and into her bed. And what you have to understand, I just went through a major back surgery and I'm Mm -hmm. not allowed to lift more than 20 pounds. (laughs) Carrie's a whole lot more than that. And so there she was dangling 
uh, in midair and I was terrified. I didn't know how to get her over to her bed. And um, I called three neighbors and a third call. The lady said, be right there. She never Mm -hmm. helped. She had never helped with Carrie. She ran in here like my superhero and whipped Carrie up into her bed. And she's like, wow, that was so cool. Mm -hmm. How can I help you? Can I do this again sometime? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's the kind of people we have around us that, but anyway, we, whether it's meals or um, we had people doing yard work for us and cleaning the house. But, but I think the big key is uh, we do have to ask. We do mm. have to ask yeah. and be vulnerable and mm-hmm. humble, which is mm-hmm. hard. It's really it hard. It is hard. It is hard. But it's, it's also important to build that community of people around you. I'm sure you have gotten right. to know your neighbors. Your neighbors know you. And even, you know, maybe if it's right. not even, hey, we're come over and have dinner. You, you right. have conversations where they Absolutely. know you. They know your story. And so when you called your neighbor, she was like, absolutely, I want to come help. Yes. It just blessed my heart because I mm. never would have thought, but I was in so much need right. um, that I, and she was so happy to be there. We got to remember how much people feel honored mm. yeah. to help. And, and as you say, the, and as you're suggesting here, we we have to let them know how because they don't know. And sometimes yeah, right. I think, you know, Jen and I operating as a machine, sometimes it looks like it's easier than what it is, mm-hmm. so, you know, but yeah, let, let people know how is, yeah, is really important. Well, you know, we've talked about, you've been married 38 years and we all know, uh, you know, marriage in general is hard, but then when you add upon layer upon layer upon layer of stresses that you all have encountered, you know, that can cause problems in a marriage. How have you all managed to, uh, allow those things to actually pull you together and uh, make your make your marriage stronger? Well, I think both of us have to keep Jesus as the main thing. Um, and I know couples that, you know, one or the other does not do that. It, it's, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, as both of us, we do have to keep him the main thing, his word, his promises. Jesus sees me. He knows me. Mm-hmm. He's allowed my circumstances and, and he's allowed him for my benefit. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I have to keep remembering for my benefit and his glory. Um, so my big thing is I do keep eternity mm-hmm. very yes. clear in focus because mm-hmm. right now is it's hard. Oh yes. my goodness. When I can do more things than my children can do, mm-hmm. it's just sad. It's just sad for me to see that. And like, Lord, come on. Why mm-hmm. do they have to suffer? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm living a very small part of my life. I have all eternity and this yes. life is just a drop in the bucket compared to what's coming. Yes. And I think I have to keep that in perspective all the time. Mm-hmm. The time I, I'm not one to get depressed. Um, I know there is personalities that can tend to be that more that way, but I do just constantly have to keep this perspective before me that Jesus, he's not ignoring me. He sees mm-hmm. me. He's doing, he's doing a work that I don't even know about. Yes. And he is my strength. And he gives me that strength right day, that mm-hmm. day. He mm-hmm. does. And I know it's him. Beautiful. What about you, Ron? Yeah, and I think, you know, our personalities are different. Our spiritual gifts are different. How we express the Christian. I mean, we believe the same Christian faith, as Jen indicated, but it is different. So, And we have to make uh, allowances uh, for each other and understand. And sometimes I've, 
you know, well, and it's true of all marriages, right? Where the guys sometimes just have to let their wives be able to express things without feeling, you know, judged because I'm not. What but, are you saying? But there's a lot of guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stay I, out of this one. I'm going to say, say yeah. I, I shouldn't say anything about that. But there, you know, there are a lot of, of guys who feel like because the wife, I think, has become so focused on the kids that she's mm-hmm. naturally the caregiver. And yes. Joan, Joan knows what to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've been a pastoral minister. I care for people, but she's a nurse and all that. It'd be so easy to, well, this is, this is your baby, whatever, mm. or I don't, you know, or put feeling pushed out. Joan doesn't do that. She may be tempted to sometimes because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. easier, for, but she doesn't do that. And those kind of things help us, you know, we've had to talk through a lot mm-hmm. of things over the years, believe me, but mm-hmm. yeah. we oh, yes. try to talk them through. Right? I say, Ron, <laughs> I need a staff meeting. Uh, that like, means we got to talk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Bring it together. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's but great. No, you have a good. code word and you know, yeah. okay, yeah. we need to, we need yeah. to circle, circle the wagons here and let's get this to get, have a conversation right. here. So that's yeah. right. Well, even in the middle of the chaos, even in the middle of the chaos, <laughs> yeah. yes, to find a way to make that happen. Well, I know that we have listeners out there who are looking at their life right now, and they are uh, looking at things that seem like insurmountable challenges. Yes, I mean, you guys have faced so much in your life together. So, what would you say? to those listeners who are really struggling when they look at the hardships that they're facing right now? I would not want to in any way uh, put down or deny the validity of their feelings that things are tough because they are. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. We've faced, you know, we're not, how are we going to get through this or, you know, fear of the future or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I guess just a couple of things, um, certainly change, change what you can work at it a little bit, you know, tackle the problem. We we work hard to try and to increase the quality of our daughter's life, for example. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's also having to accept what you can't change. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we know everyone lives in a foreign land to some extent. You know, it's not what they expect and not what they hope for. And it's not easy. Um, but it's learning to thrive there, not hanging on to wishing it was something different mm-hmm. than what it is. Yeah. And behind all that, even, even when we're feeling overwhelmed and so forth, even sometimes like despairing of life and other things like that, the apostle Paul talks about, we think of a Johnny quote where it says, you know, where she says, God permits what he hates mm. to accomplish what he loves. And these, you know, we hate seizures, for example, we hate disability, we hate wheelchairs, to, you know, in a sense. Um, but God is behind it. There's there's a bigger plan, things we don't understand, and we get to share in the sufferings of Christ. And so to come to see that in a way as, as a privilege rather than just yeah. as things like that, I guess is what I would say. Beautiful. Joan, what about you? Hmm. Yeah, he said that very well. I just think we embrace, we embrace, we have to embrace the life that uh, mm. God has given us. And we love our, we love our children. We don't want to see, yes, it is a burden, yeah. but we don't want to right. see Carrie as a burden or Matthew's OCD, which drives us crazy as a burden, (laughs) you know, we, we, we love him. 
and we love each other. And that's what you try to focus on. Your child is not a burden. Right. The, the right. situation can be hard and Around challenging. Right. right. Yeah, we yes. don't ever and it's want a lot them. Of work in right. caring for them. Right. And that feels like the burden, but not the child. Mm-hmm. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Well, you all have written several books. Um, tell us about your books and where our listeners can find them. You know what? What you said at the very beginning, you know, go to joinaforeignland.com mm. because that's just the easy listeners can hear us talk more about our yes. books. They can read sample chapters. Uh, they can also read uh, sort of our continuing story because it's the whole thing's not written yet, right? Mm-hmm. So, but at our blog under the updates tab, but um, after all that, if, if people are interested in our books, do not go to the purchase tab. Just skip over that. Go to the contact us tab. You'll find our email address. Let us know you heard the podcast. Tell us which books you want and we will send them to you. And after you receive them, if you want to send something for oh, wow. shipping or whatever, that's whatever. But what we want most is for God to use our story and helping others. That's why we, that's why we wrote it. You know, we want to be of help. Mm. And if God can use the story, great. And if there's books that are going to remain in our basement a while longer, that's fine too. (laughs) We'd rather get them out of our basement. I love that. Just let us know you'd be interested. That just shows again, your heart right there, you know, for your willingness to do that. And um, I just find that so beautiful And, uh, you know, so this is our year of restoration at Rising Above, and we're looking at ways that we can allow God to bring restoration into our weary and beat up souls. Because I know your life has so many challenges and things that you face, as so many of our listeners do. So I would love to know what you are personally doing that's allowing God to bring restoration into your life. Well, I love that thought. Um, And right away, I had the word picture of furniture because I have restored a few pieces Mm -hmm. of old furniture. And what are you doing? You're trying to bring that the glory out of that old piece of furniture, bring it back to what it used to be. And so I kind of think of myself as a, a chair or a dresser that, yeah, you know, I've received a lot of knocks and dings and chips Mm. and rough edges and burned and bruised (laughs) and battered. I've felt that heart pain and I don't, you know, I don't quite look the way I used to look. (laughs) And, um, you know, feeling the isolation and the disappointment and the loneliness and extreme fatigue and loss of hope, all that stuff that we've been through. But then I thought about restoration. But who Who's the only one that can restore me is is Jesus. He's the only one that can restore me back to his image. I mean, Mm -hmm. he created me in his image, and that's what I'm supposed to look like. Um, So I think of, I immediately thought of 2 Corinthians 4 that says, you know, outwardly we're wasting away. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I look in the mirror every day and I see that pretty clearly. (laughs) But I'm hoping that I'm being inwardly renewed day by day. Um, and you know, that chapter also says that I'm not to lose heart. Um, my troubles here on this earth are achieving for me eternal glory. So I'm to fix my eyes on what is unseen, what I can't see. I can't see why my daughter has to suffer for 36 years in the mm-hmm. body that she's trapped in. Yeah. You know, I can't see that, but I have to focus on what is unseen. And, and that's what restores me every day. Mm. That's what gives me energy. 
Yeah. Um, because God's going to make up for what we've lost Amen. here on yeah. earth. And, but, you know, practically speaking, what keeps me restored every day is that, uh, yeah, I have to not just read my Bible, but actually apply it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Pray, pray everything. I pray, I pray the goofiest prayers some days when it's just so chaotic around here. And I don't even know which way is up. And, but God does. He loves mm-hmm. to hear that. And it, and he restores us. And I do think we, we attempt to try to take care of our bodies as much as we can to keep them healthy, to take care of our children. We'd like to do that into our old age. Yeah. We know yeah. what retirement is going to look for, for uh, us. I, I'm 64 <laughs> years old and Matthew's 10. And I'm yeah. thinking And last mm. year, uh, actually this year in March, it's like my blood pressure is terrible. I got to do mm. something about that. Yeah. So I, we do try to focus on that stuff. Why? Because it's, because that's about our service to others. I want to be mm-hmm. there for Matthew. So it's part of restoring some of that stuff physically too, mm-hmm. you know, in addition to spiritually, which is of course still the most important, but mm-hmm. yeah. And wow. yeah, just keeping on a staff meeting so we can stay on the same page. <laughs> there, there you go. go. There you go. <laughs> well, Ron and Joan, it has been a joy to have this conversation with you and it's just love your heart, love your passion and um, love how you're, not only loving and serving your family so well, but you're wanting to help other families know how to do the same. So thank you so much for sharing a small part of your big journey with Mm -hmm. us today. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for letting us be part of your wonderful ministry. Amazing. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.